Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, to another live edition of Sports Blogger Radio, sponsored by FanJunkies.net. I'm your host, John Larry, and with me is always Scott Tim Tebow Blooney. Don't associate me with Tim Tebow, please. <laughs> today we're going to be joined by uh, today we're going to be joined by Melissa. Uh, excuse me, Melissa Fiore. Fiore. Um, Fiore. I knew I was going to screw Fiore. that. Sorry, Melissa. Um, she's a Boston Bruins writer for uh, Get Real Hockey and a contributor writer for uh, Babe Stick Balls and Yahoo Sports. We also will be talking about, yes, you guessed it, Tim Tebow, and if we have time, some Red Sox talk. So, Scott, Mr. Tim Tebow, man, what's going oh, on? Oh, dude, I can't. No, not please, not Tim Tebow. Um, <clears throat> I'm tired, man. Last night. Uh, uh, last night, man. Last Ooh. night. Yeah, that was um, mildly disappointing to put. No, it was very disappointing, and I stayed up a little bit past my bedtime. And, uh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah, old man River over here. He stayed yes. up way past his bedtime. Um, oh, and I'm exhausted. I, I won't lie. By me, it's worth it. That's what playoff hockey should be. That's what I expected from the Penguins. I, I didn't expect it to be. I mean, I expected it to be a tough game, but I, I not triple overtime. That's for sure. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that's what I expected more from the – you know, I didn't think that the Blackhawks were going to come back that hard from a 3-1 deficit, and they, they totally rose up to the challenge. I thought that we were going to see more of that kind of play against the Penguins as opposed to uh, – because the Penguins completely rolled over, so it was kind of shocking when the Blackhawks put up so much – you know, they they played an awesome game from – Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did, they did, and, uh, you know, kudos to them because – you know, they were at one point um, down two goals, and they went ahead and scored two straight to bring it into overtime. So, yeah, you know, they, they played hard. So, they, I mean, I won't take anything away from them. They, they definitely deserved the win. Yeah, something I read on ESPN.com today, which was kind of discouraging. Um, I'll read it. The Bruins are the third team to blow a multi-goal lead and lose in game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. Each of the previous two went on to lose a series, and those two teams were the Oilers in 2006, who lost in seven, and the 1956 Red Wings, who lost in five. So, that, yeah, that's kind, of, <laughs> that's kind of a discouraging statistic right there. And Yeah, I, well, I mean, listen, history is always made to be broken, so I don't take any... I like that. Yeah, I thought I thought you were gonna say like history always repeats itself, but like no, no I, I, I like that better. Yeah, history is always made to be broken, dude. That, that's that's the way it goes, man. Uh, you know, I I I I stick to my story. I still say Bruins and six. I'll give them I'll give them all my confidence in the world. So I'm not too worried about it just yet. We'll see how Saturday night goes. Um, see if they can come out strong. You know, thank and, goodness that the game's on Saturday night. Oh, absolutely. Because the both teams, for both teams, they yeah. played two games last night. Like, they, they played did, yeah. the better, you know, better portion of, of six periods. Exactly. Well, 120 minutes, man. I mean, and probably the most physically demanding sport out there. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, it it was, you know, it was tough. That was that was a, that was a real tough loss. I feel like the Bruins, I think that both teams really gave it, I don't want to sound cliche, but both teams were really chugging hard, and they were both giving it their all. And it kind of, I mean... It sucked that someone had to lose because it was an incredible game, and it sucks even more that the Bruins lost because. Right. Well, that's just because we're you know Boston-based, you know. Well, they squandered so. that 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 lead. That lead yeah. Just... Well, when they like I said when they were up two goals, I I mean, given the past two uh, past two playoff runs, you know, excuse me, past two, jeez, uh, 
past two series there you that go, they boy. had. Yeah. The, mind, the mind always goes first with the older guys, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. It's sleep deprivation. What can I say? Um, yeah, every, the whole town of Boston is like a zombie zone now. Everyone's yeah. just tired as hell and walking around and no this, one. It's all in a fog today. Yeah, like like I was saying though, with the uh, with the two goal lead that they had had and the past two series that they were in, um, I didn't think anything of it. I thought they were going to go ahead and handle. You know their defense was going to play strong, and, it, and it's not like the defense didn't play strong enough. It, it, it was seems- it was two. It was one really bad mistake, and you, this is where you see everyone was like, "All right, where's Tory Crew going to make his big mistake?" And here was, and there it was. There it was. You know, just kind of like uh, you know lazily kind of lugging the puck through center ice, kind of putting it up high, and it's kind of easy for, I believe it was shot to deflect it down and make a play on it, and, uh, you know, that led to the, uh, the uh, I believe it was Bickle who scored that goal. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, well, I mean... No, I, that, I was heard, that was That was Boland. So. That was Boland, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I heard, and I uh, I listened to um, 98.5 Sports Hub every time, you know, every time I'm in the car, so I was driving home today, and they were talking about you know, the fans were calling in and, and sending texts and saying that Tory Krug sucks and he needs to come off the line. And I'm like, I was just beside myself because, oh, I don't know. Uh, a whole series ago, they were. They Everyone were, was obsessed with Tory Krug. Yeah, and I'm like, the kid made one mistake. He's a rookie. Uh, you, like, wow, like, calm it down. Just give the kid a chance. It, he's gonna make a mistake. It, it's inevitable. You can't, I think that. A big part of it had to do with uh, Tuka Rask's comments after the game because Tuka Rask even said, like, that was a really, ooh, excuse me, a really bad mistake. And, um, you know, when you hear your goaltender who makes, I think he made, what, 59 saves? Yeah, 59. 58 saves, something like that last night? Yeah, I believe it was 59 to be exact. Like, I mean, not for nothing, uh, Tuka Rask faced 63 shots. Yeah, I mean, Unbelievable! They were just attacking him like nonstop, which is obviously what you want. You know, if that was your team, you want them to do that. But like, wow, our defense needs to clamp down a little bit harder than that. Yeah, between the two teams, there was 117 shots last game, which is like that's, ridiculous. That's unbelievable. I, and, and there were also 120 hits. Like, that's a physical. That is a physical hockey game right there. Right, that's a, that's right. a no joking around. Like, like. That's a no joking around contest, and I'm, you know, it was awesome to watch. It sucked that the Bruins, you know, gave up. You know, Andrew Ferentz was kind of. Uh, I was I was tweeting last night. I was so I was a little frustrated because the amount of the lack of awareness that Ferentz had, just not knowing where the puck was, and I and people are and obviously like it's not his fault, but he could have if he had a little more awareness on that play, he would have yeah. been able to see that. Yeah. You know, oh, here's a puck coming towards me. I should probably either try to deflect it or move it out, deflect it away from the net, or move out of its way because it was going wide anyway. But yeah, you're not even looking at the shooter. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it. You know, there's a. You know, those are obviously the two key goals that were given up and stuff. You know, but I don't know. Like, I still think that. I, I just it, it, it. Chicago just had the will to win. I, I mean, I I, I can't. I can't sit there. I'm not saying that the Bruins, um, the Bruins were, you know, they just gave up because they didn't. They had a lot of good chances to go ahead and try to win that game, and we'll get was, into that a little later. But. It was the bounces, man. They just it, it it was, you know, Chicago after getting that second goal, 
the life was revitalized them and you could see that they were hungry for more. And that third goal, you know, it's never a bad play. And you hear, you know, even Pierre Maguire, someone who's so dumb at what and bad at what they do, saying that it's never a bad, you know, Doc, it's never a bad idea to throw pucks at the net. Like even wow, you sounded just like him. That was that's almost creepy. I I can't stand Pierre Maguire. I think I, I think I could do his job better than him personally. But um, uh, anyway, well, did you hear that uh, NBC? Did you hear that? Uh, it's like Pierre. What what do you see down there? Well, it looks like everyone's trying real hard to get pucks on net. It's like oh, thanks Pierre. That was... <laughs> so so basically, you're saying he's the John Madden of the NHL. I except for he's except for he's more obvious and in. Yeah, I don't know. I just I can't. Whatever. NBC announces whatever. I whatever. I I miss Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley. Um, but like a true home. And and Napo Funayama. Um, <laughs> but you know the second goal, you could feel they wanted it. They were real hungry. And the third goal, just putting pucks on net, even though it wasn't on net, and you know lucky bounce. Then you knew that I I knew it was going to overtime. And then I didn't think it was going to go to three overtimes. No, I I mean I, I I'm I'm just actually you know. I'm surprised we got so we we had the better the chances through overtime I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think the first uh, first overtime for us was a lot, um, lot better than our you know the second overtime. Obviously, you could tell. I mean, it, it, you could tell that they, the guys were getting tired. I mean, oh yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty clear. Cutting well, out, I mean, you know? I mean, our forwards were exhausted because you know Horty left the game. Yeah. So it, and that's. That that's something we're usually so used to rolling out four lines and being consistent with that. And then when you have minus one forward, it throws a little curveball in the mix. And then, you know, people are playing longer and longer. And even though it's only one forward, like if you're playing in a triple overtime situation, you've been playing for basically, you know, six periods of hockey and and it's not, and it's three without three without that, you know, one of your big guys who is actually the the current plus minus leader in the playoffs in the NHL. Then it's tough. yeah, I think like I mean to be honest with you, if you if you look at it, uh, that was probably the most icing of the puck I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but it, it's like for anybody that doesn't know that might be listening, and I'm pre- I'm pretty sure everybody does. But um, in overtime hockey, you don't stop unless there's a stoppage with the puck. So I mean, these guys are just up and down the ice, you know, putting their. I, I mean, Scott, you probably have the numbers in front of you, but uh, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Boston Bruins blocked well over 30 shots themselves. Is is that correct? I, I I don't know. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, they were blocking and that was, they were, it was around 30 block shots. I think I, I remember, or am I, am I, I just been through regulation? I'm not sure. I know that the, the Blackhawks had like, like a like hundred and something attempts on net. And yeah. like, they ended up with 64 shots and like a, a good amount of them, like were wide and a, a good amount of them are blocked. So if it's any like you know 120 plus attempts on that, like that's a clear indication that the offense was was just was just firing. And um, yeah, well, I mean, they obviously took what their coach said and said, you know, all right, we'll just throw pucks on that because yeah, they're bound to get in at one point. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it's it's yeah. Well, hold on. So the two so. The Blackhawks attempted 132 shots, 63 yep. were on goal, 40 were blocked, 40 blocked shots. Shots that that's unbelievable. I mean that these guys. It, it, for anybody that doesn't agree with me, I don't know what you're watching, but NHL players put their bodies on the line like at all times. It you know 
it is crazy. Dude. And you know, forty block shots. That's just nuts. And you know what? And you, last night, the people who weren't so interested in hockey before the ratings for last night's game, it was a four point two. Uh, which is, you know, 100% higher than game one was in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Mm-hmm. And people who, you know, there are a couple people on my Twitter feed who are primarily about, you know, uh, basketball or baseball or whatever. And a lot of people were like, all right, let's give hockey a try. And then, you know, actually one of the people what, that... What, I, a, what a show to get for your first time. Like, one of the people that was following me was like, she tweeted out like, this is the only the eighth longest or whatever when they when they said that. She's like, I can't, but like basketball players couldn't do this for nearly as long. No, no and way. So, uh, you know, it was a great <laughs> game for the sport. It was a great game, like for the game's sake. Like it was an incredible game. But just Now, let me let me ask you a quick question because I mean, obviously uh, this stand the Cup is the first time since 1979 that two original six are in it. Do you think that might have something to do with it? Do you think that they might be bringing some of the original i mean not the original uh, you know some of the older older viewers back in to watch it you know i mean this is it's kind of a i guess i wouldn't say it was like a big deal but i mean still it's two of the original six what do you think yeah i think that um i think that there was definitely some old-time hockey you know the hockey gods are looking down like let this be an old-time hockey game and uh you could definitely see that it was the physicality, you know, and the the great, you know, great plays by both teams. And I, I don't, you know, I think that it's definitely, it's a great original six matchup. And these teams haven't seen each other since, I believe, 2011 when the Bruins won in a 3-2 shootout. Yes, 3-2 shootout. And that was also the same game that, uh, game, wow, same game that Sean Thornton took a, a skate to the face, too. Yeah, you so, that? yeah, I do. And it, <laughs> that was you very know, scary. It's just that old time hockey. It's that uh, that physical, um, you know, great hockey that we expected from these two teams. I just it, it shows the resiliency of both teams really to play that deep and to keep on creating chances. And uh, you know, it, it was a great game to witness. And you know, the Blackhawks won, which kind of sucks for us Bostonians, but you know, amazing game. Amazing. Yeah, I do. I kind of want to get into it. And I know our guest is probably going to be calling in very soon. But uh, oh, as a matter of fact, there she is. Um, I'll ask you the question later. We'll go ahead and answer this right now. All right? All right. Melissa, you there? I am. Hello, Melissa. Sorry that I screwed up your name. Like I said, I wasn't going to, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. It's okay. I forgive you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I know we got some questions for you. We're going to go ahead and shoot them out there to you. And, uh, Scott, would you go ahead and take that away, man? Well, first of all, did you make it through the whole game, Melissa? I did. So I made it through all. I, like, almost nodded off during some intermissions, and then I had to be at work at 7 a.m. this morning. So it was pretty rough this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah, <laughs> I, know I know the feeling. I'm pretty Scott doesn't know that yet. He's, he's too young. All right. Well, you know what? We, we can not get into this, but I was supposed to have a job, and they messed up everything. So now I'm out of a job, and I'm looking for work. But I, I would have, I would know what that felt like if I still had my job. Um. So, so Melissa, real quick, uh, what's your background with sports? Uh, what have you been involved in? We know that you're, you know, big time Yahoo writer, um, or contributor. And uh, who are your home? Who's your team that you root for? Yeah, so um, this is actually my first full season uh, doing the whole sports writing thing. Um, like you mentioned, I do um, contribute for Yahoo. I also do um, 
I cover uh, the Bruins for uh, Get Real Hockey, and then I do yeah. a daily blog. Yeah, <laughs> I do a daily blog for um, BabesDigBalls.com. dot com. So but, uh, yeah. But the catch is that you're not actually a Bruins fan. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know about that. You're already. We already had this discussion on the phone. Uh, yeah. And you know I'm still. Uh, I'm on the fence about you. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not sure I can. You're from Wakefield. I don't understand how you're not a Bruins fan. I know. I know. Well, you know, I got into the whole you know sports writing thing, and I uh, when I got into the whole hockey thing, I latched on to a couple of teams, and those teams didn't happen to be the Bruins. <laughs> All right. Well, fair fair enough. I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it. We'll. We'll let it slide. I guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it slide okay. for the sake of the show. We could go on, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. Um, so so, hey. yeah, you're you're welcome. You, you asked John. I would have I would have been grilling you right now, but um, yes, I I told you. I, I yeah, said he'll, he'll I, give, I heard about that a little bit actually. Yeah, he'll give anybody a hard time if they look at Boston sports the wrong way. So, <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, so I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, what were your thoughts, you know, watching the game? in regulation and did you see that comeback coming or did you just, you know, or how, how did you feel about the Bruins play, you know, through three periods? How did you feel about the Blackhawks play through three periods? Yeah, I thought uh, through regulation, I thought they were pretty evenly matched. Uh, they both had times during the game where they were outpowering the other. Um, I think they both got off to a pretty decent start. And then um, the Bruins obviously took over, taking a 2 nothing lead and then, um, Blackhawks were able to get it, get one back and, you know, take the momentum a little bit. But I think during regulation, it kind of went back and forth, um, you know, with big spans uh, of each of them having the momentum. Right. Yeah, you know, I I think I agree with you. It was a very back-and-forth game. I think from regulation through overtime, actually, I think that it was very, you know, there, was, there weren't too many stoppages. I don't think there was – there was only like six penalties called, three on each side, so it wasn't like very stop go, stop go. Um, what what did you make of the the two goals, the last two goals that the the Bruins gave up? Because I was livid over the bad defensive mistake that Tory Krug made, and that was kind of a lazy play. And then you know the lack of awareness, or you know people have been telling me that you know it's not Ferentz's fault, but it looked like lack of awareness to me. That, that Ferentz show, showed on that uh, showed on that third goal. Like, what what did you make of that? Was this I just like you know come back? This is this is the the Chicago Blackhawks game. Now they're going to take it. They're going to win it in overtime real easy. Um, I mean, against the Bruins team, I don't think that you can really consider anything to be able to come back and be easy. Um, I I think that Krug had probably the toughest game that he's played since he's been called up. He didn't have. So, yeah, 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 I would agree with that. Yep. He had quite a few mistakes, including that big one. Although, you know, with everything coming out today with Tuca uh, calling him out, i got to say, I don't agree with that. I don't think the teammates, when you're in the Stanley Cup Finals, need to be calling each other out. That's the last thing you need to do. It's not going to help with your team chemistry or anything like that, which is what you need to win a Stanley Cup. So the fact that he started calling him out today, I, I didn't really agree with that that much. I mean, I would actually kind of have to. I would actually have to agree with that, Melissa, too. I mean, it, it is. It's kind of deflating. I mean, the kid. He is only a rookie, so. I, but when you, you make fifty, off. but when you make fifty nine shots, and you know you're you're having a Patrick Wah type performance in net, and you, you see that kind of well, 
you know, prior to that, when you're having a great performance in net, when you're up 3-1 and the Blackhawks and their high-powered offense is out shooting you and they're coming at you hard, when you see a mistake like that, you've got to be frustrated, though. Oh, I mean, yeah, sure. and I completely under, I completely agree with being frustrated, and there's a difference between being frustrated and maybe, you know, voicing it to a coach or voicing it specifically to him, but to come out in the media and say something like that is completely not something that should be cohesive for them um, during uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough situation, but the mistake was just so glaring. I guess it's you know, I guess it's not the best thing to do to call out him out in the media, but like that's that's a that's a big mistake right there, though. John, what are you gonna say? I mean, he, he, listen, he could have he could have played the puck any other way. I mean, but he chose that way. It is what it is, and you can't really you can't really dwell on it. I mean, Tuka Rask obviously he took the wrong wrong approach about it. Yeah, you should have pulled him aside and maybe talked to him differently. But um, you know, like I said, he's a, he's a rookie, so he's gonna he's gonna make those mistakes. It's just gonna happen. So, Melissa, there's been a lot of scrutiny over this um, big call. Uh, Now, do you see the defensive pairings being the same? Or do you see Barkowski coming in maybe for um, Krug or Ferentz? Um, I don't see Ferentz being taken out merely for the fact that he's got the experience and that kind of can sometimes outweigh, you know, in different situations on the ice or in the game. Yeah. I don't know. I think they have a lot of confidence in Crew right now, despite, you know, the game that he did play. Although I'm a big believer in you kind of got to play the hot hand. And if you have someone that is kind of making mistakes like that, then, you know, I think it, there is a necessity to kind of rethink that and, and see if, if a, you know, Barkowski or um, even Hamilton would be someone that they would put in. Yeah, and the only reason I bring up Ferentz is because not because so much of the that that third goal was just you know it could happen to anyone and that wasn't necessarily his play it was just kind of a lack of awareness overall but he just Ferentz in my opinion seemed pretty flat all game and um, like you said Krug was also making a ton of mistakes um, Seidenberg and Boychuk looked real good uh, McQuaid even looked a, a little better than he'd been playing I just you know I I think that maybe. If the play, if the lackluster play continues from Krug in the next game, in game two, then do you think it's time to consider a switch? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that if you see another game um, with maybe the inconsistency that he had, that there, it is time to, to make a switch. Um, I would say, too, that with Ferentz, not even just in the playoffs, he has times during the season, too, where he goes through stuff like this where he's kind of all over the place and, you know, not in the right spots, not really covering where he should be. So I feel like it's not, it's not like typical Ferentz, but I'm not surprised to see him having plays like that happen. Yeah. I think, uh, John, were, I mean, were you surprised by that? Cause we, we've been kind of, you know, I, talk about, Ferentz has always been in the back of our head that his play has not been good this season. Yeah. Well, I think, this season, I don't think um, Andrew Ferentz has had his best season as a, uh, you know, in the Boston Bruins uniform. I don't, but you know, Melissa's right. He does. He has the experience, and I would, I would choose him over uh, Dougie Hamilton any day. To be honest with you, I, I, I mean, Dougie Hamilton. He played and he played a couple of games uh, this postseason, and 
like he just he looked like a deer with you know in in some headlights. It, it just didn't look right. Um, at least me personally, I would I would stick with Krug only because yeah he made a mistake, but he he can push through that. He he's a he's a great puck uh, moving defenseman, and uh, you know he he's able to get up the ice a lot quicker than some of these guys. So he's definitely not someone to take out. Andrew Ference, you know what? You just stick with him because. Yeah, I guess kind of have to. He's the guy who's been to the cup. Now it's his third run at it. So yeah, I yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you stick with you stick with him because you know he knows what it takes to win. So, so, so all right. Moving on now to to offense. The big story coming in was the Bruins' offensive depth, but I think that Chicago's offensive depth meets them pretty well. I mean, you got contributions from you know Andrew Shaw. Um, Hansus was looking real good. Um, Bickle has been on fire in these playoffs. He you know, he has, what, eight goals, five assists for 13 points with a plus seven rating. That's definitely, you know, and, and just the play of Froelich and, like, Kruger and Saad, you, you know, Melissa, you, you like the Blackhawks. What, 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 what do you think about the, uh, the, the Chicago Blackhawks offensive depth and how well it matches up with the Bruins offensive depth? Yeah, I think it matches up pretty well. Um, like you mentioned, Shaw and um, more Froelich and, and Kruger are huge PK guys and, and do the job uh, anytime they need to on a penalty kill and did that a few times last night. Um, but that's kind of been the Blackhawks thing the whole year is that when they need a goal, um, they can get it from their big guys like Caves and Kane and Jose and Sharp, or if they need it from their bottom tier guys like Bickle and Shaw and um, Stalberg whenever he's in the lineup, which I got to talk about for a second. I am not okay with them putting Brandon Bolig in the lineup over Stalberg. I would take Stalberg's speed over Bolig any day. <laughs> what What was the cause of that change? Uh, I mean, Stalberg hasn't produced anything. I don't think he has any points in the playoffs right now. If he does, it's maybe one or two on an assist he or has- something. He has three, so, yeah, he has three assists with a minus rating, so. Yeah, and I honestly, and this is kind of just my personal opinion, I feel like maybe uh, Quinville isn't the biggest fan of his, so when he kind of has the opportunity, because he's done this before, he's sat a few times during the season, too, um, as a healthy scratch. I think Bullock isn't going to contribute anything. I think... Yeah, he's in there for two minutes. And just going out, just saying it right out Sorry. as it is. <laughs> I know, my team too, but I just don't. I I think that Stalberg can be such a bigger um, contributor than Bullock can. And I understand that maybe you're putting toughness out there because you're going against the Bruins and they're you know a little bigger and like to throw the checks around. But I think that Stalberg needs to be in there 100%. I don't think we're going to see him now, especially after winning the game last night, but you never know. Little known fact, I actually go to, I actually go to school with um uh um Stahlberg's younger brother. Uh, oh so, yeah yeah yeah. Sebastian who went to UVM yeah. and whenever he scored yeah. everyone there was a bunch of kids who had Stahlberg uniforms that went to the games at UVM but uh I've always had a soft spot for Victor Stahlberg I always kind of hoped that he'd do well just because he's got ties to UVM but that's disappointing that they took him out I, I kind of wanted to see him play um yeah John- I've always been a big big uh supporter of him too because when he when he can kind of get his stuff together he is I mean yeah, we- he's one of the fastest guys in the league yeah and he's kind of like a power forward think- too he can 
he can throw his weight around yeah. and kind of and make plays. So he's he's a good player all around. Yeah, absolutely. Jonathan Taves, one goal, nine assists. I mean, eight assists, nine points. What's the deal with him right now? Yeah, so um, he. I think his one goal was against Detroit, and it was like a a quick shot from down low that kind of snuck up high on Jimmy Howard. And I think everyone thought that that was going to be like his breakout and kind of go from there. And um, it hasn't happened. He hasn't produced the goals. But with Jonathan Taves, like you can never, I can never say, oh, he's not producing, so maybe he shouldn't be in. Like he is always someone that whether he's producing or not is a necessity in your lineup whether it's, you know, offensively or defensively, he, um, I think, I'm not sure of his numbers, but on the face-off dot, I think he's gotten better than he had starting uh, the playoffs. So uh, definitely just someone that will eventually break out like Patrick Kane did the other night with the Patrick. Yeah. Listen, I just want to quickly ask you, um, kind of going back to the Bruins, Tyler Sagan, he kind of reminds me of, like, a younger Jonathan T- uh, Chase. I, I know I'm saying that, and everybody's like, what? But what do you think his problem is right now? Do you think it's something mentally? Or he just, like, because he, he's, not, he's not playing physically. He's not playing, like, what we remember him to be, you know, two years ago. I mean, he had a good um, breakaway last night. He he was playing well last night, though, but I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't taking he wasn't taking any hits like pretty much everybody else on his team. He, I saw him avoiding a lot of checks and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's something wrong with him. or do you, What do you think, Melissa? Um, I think that – I think last night was one of the better games that he has played in, over the recent – few games that they've had. Um, he's definitely not, like, when the, when the season first started, you saw kind of like a, a different Sagan than you normally would. You saw him throwing hits around. You saw him being a little physical. Um, I think that took away a little bit from his offensive production. Obviously, when he spent time uh, overseas, he was lighting it up. And I think everyone, yeah. when he came over here to start the season, expected him to just continue and I don't know if it was a matter of him, you know, getting all the goals out of his system over there or if it was just an adjustment with the ice that, you know, there is between the two um, rinks. But he, when you get into a drought like this, when you're not really producing like that, you're gripping the stick harder and harder, and it's kind of you need one of those lucky bounces to go in to kind of like, you know, get the monkey off your back and kind of get back in the swing of things and, I think once you see that happen for him, that you know we we could see a few more goals out of him. With 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 the injury to Horton, is that pressure now mounting on Tyler Sagan's shoulders? Because the lines are going to have to be shifted around a little bit too. You know, he's day to day, but it looked like he was in a serious amount of pain. So, do you bring in Soderberg? Do you bring in Jordan Caron? Like, how do you see the line shaping up? Do you see um, Yager going up to the first line and playing with Krejci and Sagan getting bumped up? Or well, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a huge hit for them just because, I mean, that's been the line for the Bruins. They're, like, I would say 85% of their offense production have come from that line. So to lose one of them when you're clicking so well at that point – um, is a tough blow to take. Uh, so they kind of need uh, everyone to step up. Um, yeah, kind of I totally standard agree. Hockey, standard hockey cliche, you know, one person isn't going to replace the other, that you need to have everyone step up, step up. But 
I think in this case that's true. Um, on Soderbergh, I think he had a really hard time adjusting, like I was mentioning with Sagan, adjusting to the ring size over here after playing over there for so long. So I think I would probably lean in favor of Karan at this point if they did need to bring someone in. Um, but, yeah, like I said, they, they need they need uh, everyone to step up, not just – and I think you also see some changes in lines. Obviously, it's Horton isn't able to go. Okay. Real quick, uh, before we let you go, what is yeah. your prediction? What is your who do you, who do you, Yeah, yeah, you knew I was going to drop that on you. Who, who do you see uh, winning the cup? So, um, I mean, if it goes like it did last night, and it we have three overtime games for seven games, I don't know if I'm going to last through it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I do see it going six or seven games. It's not like you know, Blackhawks won one and Bruins are going to lay over and just let them win. That's never going to happen, but I am going with the Blackhawks, and I'm going to say either six or seven. Boo! I know, <laughs> not, not, I know. not a fan, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's okay. You gotta take that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. No, that's fine. All right, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this was great. I really, it's good to see, uh, hear other people's opinions on what their thoughts are. So we appreciate it. We hope you can get on again sometime. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, you know, we have to have some non-Bruins perspective once in a while. Yes, exactly. But, you know, I don't always want to hear that non-Bruins perspective. It's weird hearing Chicago in six. I don't know about that. Oh, you know, I'll I'll stick to my, my Bruins in six. That's okay. Every, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, whether I agree or not. <laughs> so, obviously, Melissa – Brings up great points about Soderberg, about depth issues. Um, what are the keys to game two, you think? Like, it, we're look, looking forward, you know, uh, it's going to be so tough to manage. Nathan Horton is, of course, day-to-day, whatever that means. We don't know. He looked like he was in a lot of pain. He was grimacing really hard. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And it, it, it brings, begs the question to me, who who gets the call and how do the Bruins adjust for game two? Because, obviously, they're going to have to come out – with a lot of – it's almost like, for me, I feel like game two is almost – I know it's so early, but game two is almost a desperation game because of the way that we lost game one. Well, I think is the Bruins have been probably the number one team in the playoffs this year that have been the non-panic type, and I think that they're going to continue that. I, I, I don't think there's any panic in their game just yet. I think we should – the only I, I think the biggest thing is that they just need to tighten up on their defense a little bit more. Um, granted, the Chicago the Chicago Blackhawks remind me a little, a little bit of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Penguins that we just faced. They're fast, they're they're very offensive, you know, heavy, but yet they're a lot more physical than the Penguins were. So oh, absolutely. I think their their defensive depth is also exceptional. You know, you got uh you know Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook who are two you know top tier defensemen, and then you got guys like uh you know Rosenthal. Rose Rose's Roosevelt, I don't know how to pronounce that name. But and and Jar Jarmerson who who have been playing, you know, and Johnny Oduya who's, you know, that awesome Swedish bearded man who had that, you know, never <laughs> that fluky goal. But you see that the you know it pretty much for for the Pittsburgh Penguins they had three, you know, big defensive guys. They had, you know, Brooks Orpic who was their big physical guy, and then they had Paul Martin and uh Chris Letang. And then you see like they have three solid lines of defense. Well, it's like I, I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks are basically, like I said, they remind me a little bit of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but 
on top, on, you know, to, to really like get in the grasp of it, they are almost exactly like the Boston Bruins. They're very physical. They're physical. They're, they, they, they they like the physical team, and they're they're uh, you know, um, you know, dumping dumping chase type of team, and that's exactly how the Bruins play. So it's like, it's it's a it's a very tough thing to to think. I, I mean, they're so evenly matched. The goaltenders are so evenly matched that right down the line, it's you know, it could be anybody's game. I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm still going with Bruins and six, but that's just the homer in me, and I really want them to win. So something I noticed that the Chicago Blackhawks are doing really good. I was getting opportunities from the point. I feel like the Boston Bruins strayed from that a little bit in Game One. Yeah, like, yeah, they did. And that's something that had been giving them success. I believe they had the most goals from the point in the postseason up to this. I mean, I, I'm sure they still do, but. You saw that was a major part of the game plan plan versus the um, Penguins, you know, getting traffic out front and getting pucks on net from the point and seeing, you know, what opportunities we can create from there. I didn't see as much of that as I would have liked. Uh, yeah, I, I think, well, I mean, in, in well, the biggest thing in, in game two is obviously they're going to tighten down their defense and, and, and start their forechecking a lot, you know, get their forechecking going a lot more. Um, I don't think skating is going to be an issue, so to say. I mean, they're going to have their legs underneath them, but – you know, after coming off a triple overtime, it might be a little tough for them. They got they got a lot of rest though. Yeah, they will. They will. They have tonight and tomorrow to rest. So, uh, and, you know, pretty much all day Saturday. But I'm sure they're gonna have a couple practices in there in between. But yeah. I, I mean, I think they're gonna split. Uh, I think. Um, I think if the they split, split, then I'm not scared. If they don't split, then I start to get worried. Yeah. Because you know, they're just just again going back to the manner of how which we lost. You know, game one. We were up 3-1, you know, with 10 minutes left in the third period. And then they come back and they score two goals that are off of, you know, a big mistake and then, you know, a lucky bounce. And those are just like, you know, goals that you look at and say, wow, those were so easy for them to get. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you go to overtime, both teams playing real hard and the Bruins having way better opportunities in overtime. And, you know, you know, Dogovins. He's gonna have open net night where net nightmares for a long time. Yeah, he should have he should have buried that. He should have snapped it forward. But and, listen, we both know, and we've talked about it many times. The Boston Bruins are probably the best team at going ahead and pushing it aside and saying, you know what, let's focus on the next game. Yes, Tuka Rask was obviously mad at uh, uh, Tory Krug, but you know what, they'll push it aside. Their teammates, everybody's got chemistry. There's 17 players left on that team from 2011, so I think. I don't think there's panic in them just yet. It's only one game, so let's not panic, Bruins Nation. Everything's okay. So, um, so look at, looking forward, and actually last night after the game, and I, you know I think we're pretty much done with game one. After the game, I know that our friend Mike Machine, who, over at Fan Junkies, has talked about this frequently in the past couple oh, of shows that he's been doing. Yes. Um, you know, I just want to talk about, and my friends have brought this up to me too. I'm looking at Pat Jordan. Thank you for sending me this link. Um, the Chicago Tribune brought up the Boston Marathon bombings in an intent to take a shot at the Bruins fans, which was kind of weird. You yeah. know, the, the the Tribune it had a picture of you know, um, the 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 headline that they did. Remember that that page they did that had "We are the Chicago Red Sox, we are the Chicago Celtics, we are the Chicago Bruins, we are the Chicago Patriots" or whatever. Yes. It has a hand on the front page of the. The Tribune, it has a hand ripping off the Bruins symbol, the sign. And, you know, there were people who were tweeting last night, Chicago stronger, and they were joking about the bombing. And I just, before you say anything, I just want to go ahead and say that 
Boston Stronger is Boston Strong, excuse me, is not a Bruins thing. It's it's a Boston, you know, regrouping from a, a terrorist attack thing. It's it's a community thing. It's not you yeah. know, the the Boston Bruins didn't make this thing up. And the fact that it's associated with the Boston Bruins comes from the fact that we honored the the, the people who you we know, know, we honored the victims at the at the at, at, at the, the garden. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you know, the the big you know the the people at the crowd they kind of rallied around that and the fact that you know we're a resilient city and Boston Bruins are a resilient team as they've shown you know through these playoffs and through the season and people are taking this way out of context. We saw with the Toronto series, the Toronto stronger, and that guy was just you know I I can't say things on air about him because I would be thrown off. Um, right. And and these people, you know, so, someone talking about. You know Chicago stronger um, and the bombings and how you know whatever it just completely reflects so badly on you know the fans in Chicago this one these these two or three whatever handful of people who just ruined this and the Tribune to do that I just think that is extremely distasteful. What do you? Yeah, think? no, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, and I've said this, I said this, you know, a last series during the Penguins series when that kid said, you know. Uh, oh, hope, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I hope the uh, hope someone drops another bomb in your city. Like, it's it's absolutely disrespectful. It's not. It has nothing to do with sports whatsoever. All it, listen, Boston Strong simply means that it's a, it's a rallying cry that we're all sticking together. That's all it means. It has nothing to do with you know the Boston Bruins. You know, we're not us as Boston Bruins fans are not sitting out there and being like, yeah, we're Boston Strong because of the Boston Bruins. You know, and Stanley Cup. No, it has nothing to do with that. You know. It, you know, it's it's at the end of the day, it's about the victims who've been victimized. It's you just know? it's and a community thing more than it's anything a commu- else. It's a community thing. It's a rally cry for them. You know, that's just how we got through it. You know, it's just a saying that we got through it. That's that's all it means. It, you know, for for other towns and cities to to sit there and say, oh well, we're stronger than you. Ugh. You know what? You're looking at it the wrong way. You're looking at it as a sports perspective, and you think your team's stronger than ours. That's fine if you have that opinion, but don't bring in. Any type of tragedy that happened it has nothing to do with, you know, it has nothing to do with the sports. And all you're doing is you're insulting the people that have been victimized. That's all you're doing. You're not insulting the Bruins fans. You're insulting the people that have been victimized. And that that is absolutely wrong. And I, I don't agree with it whatsoever. And I think people need to, I think really, I think people need to think before they type and send out, you know, any type of tweets or anything like that, you know? Yeah, you know, hockey fans in particular are like so toxic sometimes. It's um and it's it's at the end of the game you can be pissed off. I was a little I I tweeted out last night that I was too pissed off to sleep because I was frustrated as hell. But I'm not like at the end of the day it is just a hockey game and it is. It's just it's just a sport people. It's just a sport. Let's and it, you can have you can have your you can have your opinions about your team and you can be passionate about it but when it when you take it to another level and I said this last I said this last show. When you take it to another level, it just makes you look more pathetic. You know, that's it's just a sport. Don't let it ruin your life. You know the whole <laughs> right. the whole Gregory Campbell thing, the Toronto stronger, the Chicago stronger. We've seen it now in all these series. The only one that we didn't see was in the was New the York, York series. Right. Right. They were they were the classiest fan base that we've experienced so far. Um, <laughs> so. I'm going to go ahead and switch gears here and um, I'm going to, I'm going to start, we're going to, you know, we only got about, you know, 16 minutes left in the show. So I'm going to go. Oh ahead. no, can we not? Uh, we have to, we have to. And only because, and I know you don't agree with it. We have to talk about it because it is the New England Patriots. 
Hello, everybody. If you didn't already know, which you probably do, Tim Tebow signed by the New England Patriots on a, I believe, two-year deal? Three-year deal? Two years. Three years? Uh, I think it was two. All right, two years, two-year deal as a backup quarterback. Now, before anybody freaks out, he is not replacing Tom Brady. Don't well, get no, of course he's not replacing Tom Brady. <laughs> now, Scott and I have two different opinions on this. Uh, Scott is very opinionated that he does not want him here. I, however, feel, and I'm going to say my side, and I'm going to let you say your side, I feel Tim Tebow is a pretty darn good choice only because he's a project. Bill Belichick likes projects. Look at it this way. If he goes ahead and takes Tim Tebow and he makes him into a, you know, an actual football player, I mean, actually, an actual good quarterback, then guess what? He's a genius. He did something that no one else could. But if he doesn't make him into a, you know, a good quarterback, guess what? He didn't invest anything really into him. He gave him a a two-year deal, barely any money, and no guaranteed money. So they're basically just bringing him in, giving him a shot. I don't see anything wrong with it. The guy's got a good character. Yes, he's all over ESPN. Yes, he's all over this media. But that's not his fault, okay? He's just he's just a nice guy, whatever, you know? But then again, he will, he, Bill Belichick will not allow him to speak. It's Bill Belichick. You can't get anything out of him. You can't get anything out of his teammates, uh, out of his players. So let's – Stop freaking out about it. Give the kid a shot and see what happens. Now go ahead, Scott, because I know you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna totally disagree with me. Go ahead. Okay, so it's a two year deal. Um, Tebow can earn up to two million in dollars in playing time incentives in 2014, uh, according to someone who reviewed the contract. Uh, I guess if he's on the field for 80% of the plays, or the Patriots win 10 games or make the off season, he will earn the full two million dollars. That's guaranteed. He'll earn he'll earn five hundred thousand if he participates in sixty percent of the plays in two thousand fourteen. One million for seventy percent and point five for eighty percent of the plays without reaching the playoffs or winning ten games. Um, okay, so I understand this is extremely low risk, and I don't want to say high reward because it's not high reward at all. Oh, um, <laughs> this guy, this guy, he he can't play. He he can't. He's not a Football play. He, maybe he'll maybe he'll get his snaps at tight end because he's not playing quarterback. There's no use for him in the Patriots system. Everyone's uh, talk about Josh McDaniels and how Josh McDaniels was the guy who drafted him and how it's great for him and he's a perfect fit. I don't see that at all. Last year I saw the failed experiment with a guy who knows the Wildcat and Tony Sperano coming to <laughs> the New York Jets and Listen, no, see what see what. No, Say all you want, but wait, 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 wait. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I told you I'd let you talk. Go ahead. There is no use for Tim Tebow on this team. There's no use for him on the roster. I don't understand why he's not, you know, coaching the laundry football league because he's got no talent in the NFL. He's not a. You could say all he want about his character, but it comes down to making an investment in a player. He's not a very good quarterback, and you know maybe you'll put him at tight end. And he'll do well blocking or something like that, but he's not. He's not. I would rather fill that spot with someone else who who presents more. He has a better skill set than than Tim Tebow. Um, I'm not. I'm gonna. He is a smart player. That that is one thing that he is, and you saw that. You know, going back to his college games with the Gators, but he is a college quarterback. That is what he is playing in the NFL, and it does not work. And there's no reason he should be on the Patriots, in my humble humble opinion. 
But I just think it's a waste of time. I think it's a waste of you know a roster spot. spot. That's I mean I see no I see no point to him being on the Patriots. I really don't. If they, if Bill Belichick can cultivate a good starting quarterback out of this, I will be amazed. But you know last time you see a kind of pickup like this, it's like Albert Hainsworth or Chad Ocho Johnson, Ocho Cinco, whatever the hell his name is. Those two pickups failed horribly, and I expect nothing less in this pickup. All right, so there's my rant. <laughs> All right. I, I I understand everything you're saying and I get it and you know I can respect that but I mean doesn't he deserve a shot? I mean come on look at look at what was sure go what? play for Jacksonville where you belong or go play in the LFL being a coach and you can be mic'd up and get MTV two airtime. Okay. I <laughs> all right I get that I mean just like but he deserves a shot and you know what no one else out there was willing to give the New York Jets won't even acknowledge the fact that he was on their team last year. That you know what that is funny because uh, you know reading about the Tim Tebow situation and following with it because how could you not if you turn to ESPN it's Tim Tebow you know or golf nowadays which is whatever or or Heat Spurs or know. Heat but he that's actually a story golf and Tim Tebow are not stories um in my opinion <laughs> I mean I'm not an old man who plays golf sorry Mike if you're listening sorry John if you play golf I don't think you play golf do you I do not play golf yeah okay well you know okay <laughs> last last season. He had six completions on eight attempts. Oh my God, seventy-five percent pass completion for thirty-nine yards. He had yeah, no no touchdowns. You're looking at the statistics that he was on the Jets. Listen, he was brought in. He was brought into the wrong situation. You know what I mean? You got to look at that. You got to look at that. Like he was brought into the wrong situation. He had a terrible. What do you mean the wrong situation? He was brought into the same. He was brought into a, a wildcat. Okay, offense that wanted to play wildcat where he had to have a spot. He he was brought in. And he was coached by the worst offensive coordinator I've seen in years. He said Tony Soprano was terrible. Come on, like, just call him Tony Soprano. Yeah, whatever the heck his name is, <laughs> Soprano. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? But still, like, I like he he couldn't do anything with the uh, the Miami Dolphins. His 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 most significant game he had was against the New England Patriots when he did the Wildcat, and it was like, whoa, look at this. Woo. You know, he had Ron, Ronnie Brown throwing friggin' touchdown passes. What does it matter? Tim Tebow deserves a shot. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Joe Montana. I'm not saying he's oh, going to... You can't even say those two people in the same sentence. Tim Tebow, that, he should be a preacher somewhere. You know, Robert Kraft said he likes the spirituality he brings to the team. That's not what I'm looking for in a football team at all. I All I said was he's not. I didn't say he... Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying he deserves a shot. That's all. Uh, whatever. I don't think he deserves on the Patriots. The Patriots are a championship contending team, and uh, Tim Tebow has shown. You know what? When he was in the Broncos, and that those crazy, crazy games where he'd be absent all game and then come alive in the fourth quarter and do stuff and win. That was pretty incredible. But then when he went to an offense that was like starting to be geared around what he could do in the Jets, yeah, like, but, that's, but that's exactly the point. He was brought in there by the general manager to do something that his coaches, you know, his manager and his coaches didn't do. They didn't use him right. They they were like they they were constantly like. Well, oh, maybe yeah. that's because in in training camp they realized that Mark Sanchez has complete insecurity issues because you know every time you know now every time you know he's damaged. He's like he's a head case now. Every time he thinks about playing, he's like, oh my god, I'm in the shadow of my my backup quarterback. He's a head yeah, case that- now. 
Well, you know, I mean, look what he's look what he's got to deal with this time. He's got to deal with Geno Smith, right? Uh, yeah, so, and it's a, it's a, the fact of the matter is, yeah, it does, it didn't work in New York on the New York Jets team, but it was supposed to. And the fact that it didn't, when they had all the you yeah, know, but like oh, my point is, oh. fact, no, my point is, is the fact that it didn't work is not Tim Tebow's fault. That's my point. That's exactly my point. It's not his fault. It's not all his fault. Yeah, all right. So he had some bad statistics when he was on the field. It's a team. It's not one person. So give the guy a shot. Why not? What do you all have right, to lose? So, all right, maybe he'll be a great water boy and a great bench warmer. You know? That's whatever. As long as he's helping the team, I don't care. That's giving him a shot. But what if? But that's the thing. With the media bull, with the media stuff uh, coming, you know, surrounding Tim Tebow, like, is he a good thing? I don't think so. Like, you know, I know that, that you know, Bill Belichick, the dark one, was able to shut down the press on Chad O. Johnson, I don't even know his name. I'm just going to go with Ocho Johnson from now on. Um, because, you know, it switches every three months, whatever it feels like it. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Well, 30 days from now, I mean, they'll be calling him, you know, Chad out of jail. Yeah, he is he is he going to jail? Yeah, he's sentenced to 30 days in prison, I believe. Uh, good riddance. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't yeah, matter. He, but, 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 you know, it's just like, why? Why? I don't People are going to say that this is one of Bill Pelichick's genius moves. I honestly just don't see it because the last yeah. genius moves were not genius moves at all. Maybe you know what? This is my this is what I think. Tim Tebow will be playing as a offensive tight end, blocking and maybe playing in some plays, maybe some trick plays. But other than that, I don't see him participating in the offensive scheme at all because he's not worth it. Maybe he'll play special teams too because he played that on the Jets team and you know. I remember last year CBS had the Tebow cam, which is you can watch every single time Tim Tebow <laughs> is on the field, which is like a grand total of 10 times a game. Which but is listen, ridiculous. Listen, listen, he was in New York, and New York was probably trying to sell seats and jerseys. Okay? I'm not saying, and I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, you know, Robert Kraft and the Patriots organizations would be like, woo, we'll slap his name on a jersey. We'll sell it out quick because it's Tim Tebow. But you know what? He's not. You think Bill Belichick is going to allow them, ESPN, to come on their field and be like, oh, it's Tim Tebow time? No. Well, well, you saw in the interview that, you know, every time he was asked a question, he was like, he's a good player, he's smart, and he's going to help our team. And that's all Bill, he said. Yeah, but that's Bill Belichick. He would say that about Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 he's just – Tim Tebow is just another guy. He's just another football player. That's uh, You know what I mean? Who, that's, how he, that's how he is on that team. Who can't play his position. He can't <laughs> throw the ball. <laughs> Dude, he'll be a third-string quarterback. It's not he like can't he can't throw the ball. <laughs> Like what's the, there's no debate here. He can't throw the ball. But you know what? Maybe he's better than Mark Sanchez because at this point, I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Mark Sanchez doesn't know who his receivers are. <laughs> I, I kid you not. This is actually a story on NFL.com that he does not know because of the injuries to Santonio Holmes, Stephen Hill, Jeremy Curley, and Clyde Gates. And didn't well, didn't uh, Mark Sanchez lost his number one receiver in Dustin Keller too, right? It it there's just there's he doesn't know who his receivers are. Like this is actual a story. Like he keeps on saying we've come up with with some funny nicknames for them just because you don't know their names. They're just in there. That's what he told the New York. <laughs> that's what he told the newspaper. Like he literally said, "I don't know who my receivers are." That is great. So yeah. you know what. The Jets' crapshoot just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. It's ridiculous. I, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I see, you know, if Mark Sanchez can't get it together by the third game, I see oh, Geno Smith, Smith coming yeah. out. Yeah. Geno Smith yeah. has, has everything. You know, it's just like the same. They, 
I can't help but feel a little bit bad for the Jets because they've had so many great quarterback prospects, you know, um, going back to Chad Pennington. Pennington yeah. And I think that Vinny Testaverde was playing there for a while. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, uh, Mark Sanchez is supposed to be a, a good prospect. And then, you know, Geno Smith and Tim Tebow, this whole quarterback madness that has been happening with the Jets for the past, you know, decade it's just it's it makes you feel a little bit bad it yeah. makes you feel a little bit sorry for that but at the same time it is hilarious to watch it is better did than you, any uh, reality tv did you did you forget about the short period of time that mr brett Favre was in new york <laughs> oh you know brett Favre makes the rounds he's just try, he's just trying to play you know he's just trying to play he's a great yeah. player he's trying to play but yeah so sanchez uh i think that he lo- i think that he loses his starting spot to geno smith pretty quick and well, I think honestly, you gotta you gotta look at the uh, coaching situation too. I, I, you know, I don't understand how that guy still has a job. I really don't get it. Well, I mean, we'll we'll have to see. I, I think I think it's make a break for him this year. I think he's on the hot seat. Like the coach, that. the coach of the year just got dropped in the NBA. He was fired, and he was coach of the year. Yeah, yeah. This guy has had nothing to show for the past couple of seasons. Oh, but he brought him to two champion AC, AFC championship games. Don't you remember? Doesn't that account for something? <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't. Like the guy and and all the quarterback controversy and just how they've mishandled like everything and the Tim Tebow situation and just the media spectacle around the Jets now. The butt fumble, like uh, butt fumble is awesome. Um, yes, it is. But, but like, how much worse can you get? From the uh, your and now your quarterback doesn't even know who your receivers are. Like, come on, man! This is a sports center. <laughs> come on, man! Moment. Come like, on, man. The Jets, <laughs> Jets, Jets front office. Do yourself a favor. Get rid of Sanchez. Get rid of um, Ryan. You know, just the, the 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 whole team needs a revamping. It really does to be a contender, which they are absolutely not. All right. Okay. With that being said, there is two minutes left in the show, so I'm going to go ahead and sign us off here and. We'll do our do our goodbyes. Well, more of the story. Tim Tebow, bad pick for for Patriots. Oh, don't you had to get that last shot in there? Absolutely, I did. Ah, you're killing me. Give them. All I'm saying is give teams go Tebow a chance. That's it. I, right. uh, whatever. Whatever. All right. Thank <laughs> you so much for tuning in today. Uh, this week, guys, we appreciate it. Um, go find us on uh, Twitter at Sports Blaga. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Um, you know, tune in tomorrow at 7 p.m. for Fan Junkies dot uh, Fan Junkies Radio with our good friends Jonathan Ragus and Michael McShay. And don't forget to tune in on Saturday to Five Minutes at the Frat House with our good friend Michael McShay. Those are good shows. You don't want to miss them. And watch Game Two. Game oh, Two is going to be huge. You guys got to watch it. And the ratings have been going up for hockey. Hockey has a fighting chance to become a, be- a better main street sport. If you want to see hockey on ESPN, you guys just got to watch. And Game 2, if it's like Game 1, is going to be incredible. So Yes. Don't forget, yes, it was at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Make sure you tune into that. Uh, go Bruins. Hoist that Stanley Cup. That's all I'm saying. Until next week, have a good week, guys.